In episode 7.4 of Unshuffled, we discuss the fourth Pretty Reckless album. It's called Death by Rock and Roll. Let's go. Welcome, listeners. Welcome back. And welcome, of course, to our first-time listeners of Unshuffled. I'm your host, Matt, and as always, joining me from the other side of Eurasia, Scotty D. Konnichiwa, Matt. Hey. Good. Good, good, good. Hello. <laughs> uh, so we've got a... We're going back. So we, we were covering The Pretty Reckless. We have done their first three albums. Then we took a little diversion and we covered Ghost's new album, Impera, which we both loved on our last podcast. I felt a little bit sorry for The Pretty Reckless. That's a tough act to follow. So, um, yeah, I don't know how you felt going back to The Pretty Reckless after that one, but uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the album we're covering on Shuffle today, which, of course, is called Death by Rock and Roll by The Pretty Reckless. What did you think going into this one, Scotty? I've been curious, just, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this, but this this album is, you know, I mean, I don't, it's it's not, it, it came after a, a tragedy had hit the band. And and, and I think that the, the, sort of just even from the cover, I kind of knew that that was going to be, or it suggested that that was going to be at the forefront. And so I was really kind of curious to hear um, where this went. So I, w- I was anticipating getting into this. But with that said, yeah, I was I was reluctant to leave Ghost. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we can always go back to that whenever we like. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I was looking forward to this myself. And, yeah, as you said, obviously this came after the loss of Kato Kandawala, who was a huge influence and, you know, a producer and contributor, big contributor to the previous albums. Now, all of the reports and the interviews I've read of Taylor Momsen, who tends to do all of the press for the band, suggest she went into a pretty dark place after not only his death, but I think she also felt very keenly the death of Chris Cornell a few years ago, who she was a big admirer of and and they'd done some support work for. So those... Two tragedies, I think, um, put her in a pretty dark place. And, and one nice thing about musician, I guess, is you have a vehicle to help sort of process and deal with your grief. And, and obviously, she's done that and it's come through on this album, I feel. This album, I don't... So, this was released with a... Did you know that there's a, a, a commentary version of this album? No, I found it. I stumbled upon it, and it's it. They just go through track by track and and talk about every single one of this. It, it, it's 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 what we're doing. Okay, but oh, good. But 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 they did it. Like Pretty Reckless has done their version of it. All right, and you and it's called. To it. Yeah, I did listen to it. Um, oh. it 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 didn't give me. 
it didn't give me a lot. Like there were some questions that I had, and it didn't that it didn't really answer. Um, and and they came at it from sort of a different approach than than what we talk about. I think we kind of talk about it from the listener experience. They talk about it from the technical performance experience. But it is interesting. You should try to find it. I think it's just called Death by Rock and Roll Commentary. Is it and publicly go, available? Is it on YouTube? And where did you find it? It's I found just it Apple. on Apple Music. Okay. Apple Music had it. They reference Spotify quite a bit. I think I think it was a, a Spotify um, financed backed project. Okay, it's probably a good time to remind the listeners um, that going into these podcasts, as always, and you know, I should remind people who we are, but we are unshuffled. We pick a band, we go through them album by album, and then we look in detail. The, each track and, and give our overall thoughts on an album. Every few episodes I mention that you should listen to the album before you listen to us. So form your own opinion. You might also like to listen to this um, this commentary version perhaps and, and see if what they say lines up with what you think and what we think. I think it's, uh, you know, that sounds like an interesting exercise. So if I can find it, I'll pop a link for our listeners, but it sounds like it's pretty easy to find anyway on any of those streaming services. So thanks for the tip. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I guess we should get into the album. So you want to give us the details and then we can we can start working our way through it. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll start with the album is called Death by Rock and Roll. And the one of the things that I did learn from the commentaries, it seems like that was a phrase that was often said by Cato Kandwala. So it sounds like even just the, the naming of the album was an homage. Right. So right off the bat. Um, it was released February 12th of 2021. And the label that they're on is Fearless, which at the drive-in was on. It was produced by Taylor Momsen and Ben Phillips and then Jonathan Wyman. He seems to I, he seems to be somebody that works a lot with, with a lot of bands on Fearless. And I was wondering if Initially, as I was listening to it, if he was like record label appointed, but he's in the commentary and he seems to have been involved. He was a legitimate producer. Um, it was recorded at London Bridge in Seattle, Washington. And I think this is the first album that was not recorded in New Jersey, actually. I think all of the rest of them have been done in New Jersey. And the uh, lineup, lineup has stayed the same. Taylor Momsen, vocals, guitar. Ben Phillips, guitar. Uh, backing vocals. I think he does some keyboards in this one. Mark Damon, bass, and Jamie Perkins, drums. Um, the artwork was, well, the photography was done by Danny Hastings, who's done a lot of f- photographs of music artists as well as other things. The front cover, the colours of this very much looked like their f- second album, Going to Hell, the dark colours, the purples. The front cover has Taylor Momsen lying naked on a tombstone uh, which has the pretty reckless and DXRNR death times or death by rock and roll when you open the CD you get uh, Taylor Momsen um, still naked and with her breasts showing so we had the buttocks edition of uh, going to hell and now we've got the the breasts edition of death by rock and roll so she doesn't mind uh, showing some flesh on her album covers. I'm surprised it hasn't got a bit more coverage. I guess the fact that nobody actually buys CDs anymore means that not many people have seen this. But uh, it was an interesting 
interesting cover, I guess very bold and daring, and, and it, perhaps I think she's trying to show that, you know, she's really uh, opening herself in many ways and laying herself bare on this album, certainly through her, her music, but also on the front cover. So anyway, it got, I'm, I was just surprised that I hadn't heard of that, you know, Taylor Momsen's breasts are on this, which I'm sure would normally create a bit of a controversy. Didn't Danny Hastings did Going to Hell? Wasn't he the photographer for that as well? Oh, I it believe. may have been. It certainly looks the same, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would explain some of the similarities. I can't remember. You'll have to go back and check, listeners. We would have mentioned that on the podcast. I can't remember. Uh, any more thoughts before we dive into the track by track? Um, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I have my my final thoughts, but I'll save those. Yeah. Happily save those to the end. Yeah. All right. So uh, here's your chance, listeners. Yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't listened, listeners, here's your chance to pause and go away and give this a listen, even just once or twice. And you don't have to buy it. I mean, it's best to buy these things if you like them. But if you haven't bought it yet, just go and put it on whatever streaming service you subscribe to and you'll you'll hear the album a couple of times and and then you can come back and join in the conversation and, and uh you know treat us as like your companion listeners on on this journey which is the idea of this whole thing anyway let's get into it death by rock and roll track one which is death by rock and roll ah, the title track straight up take us away Scott. um okay so i some of this what I'm, and I'll, I'll tell you what I got from the commentary and what is sort of my own speculation. But what I got from the commentary is that this song did start, it started as a demo um, that they had been working around for quite a while. And there's just that sort of simplified or that simple blues riff that, and that was the driving force behind this entire song. Um, the footsteps at the very beginning are actually Cato Kandwala's footsteps that he had recorded when they had originally recorded, when they recorded the original demo of this song. And so wow. that, that was kept in. Um, the, what struck me about this song, though, when I was listening to it, really was the lyrics. And there's the moment where she says she wants to go by shotgun blast and then uh, by motorcycle crash. And so there was sort of just the just right off right off the bat, you're sort of hit with this, and I and I assume the shotgun blast is referencing uh, Kurt Cobain, and the motorcycle crash would be the untimely passing of Kato Kanwala. And so right off the bat, she's sort of as you said earlier, laying bare kind of this vulnerability of um, uh, just the, the fragility of mortality. Yeah, it's a big statement opening track. It, it rocks hard. So um, one of the questions I had going to this was, do we see more of who you're selling for? So that they brought in some more bluesy and, and southern southern rock influences on that album and less of the hard rock? Or do we get more of the going to hell, crunchier guitars and, and hard rocking songs now? Hearing this, you think, okay, I get it. They're going back to the going to hell style. It's it's a much heavier track than uh, we were getting used to on the previous album. It rocks hard. Uh, it's got that big swinging riff to kick it all off, and the whole song's sort of based around that, as you mentioned. I love the use of dynamics on this, and you know, we've seen it previously with them, the quiet verses, and then the the big uh, the big heavy guitar-heavy choruses, and there's a little 
harmonic squeal on the guitar here and there through those riffs. So a little bit of, I don't know, Gojira used to do that. Gojira do that a lot, don't they? But uh, I haven't heard that much from them to, to date. But uh, I thought, it, look, I thought it was a great opening track. I, uh, it, it, you know, the themes was were hit in the face with the themes. You know, this is going to be a song that references. It doesn't shy away from the fact that they're dealing with these tragedies. And, um, yeah, big statement opening track. Hmm. The next song is called Only Love Can Save Me Now. This is probably the best-known track off the album. And in some ways, it's, I guess, the, the centrepiece of the album, not least because it features two members of Soundgarden, Kim Thale, uh, the guitarist, and Matt Cameron, the drummer. Now, I love Kim Thale. I think he's a brilliant guitarist. I've always liked Soundgarden more than anything, more than Cornell's lyrics. I, I just loved his doomy, dropped low guitar tunes. And, I, you know, I think of some of my favourite Soundgarden songs like Fourth of July. They just seem like impossibly low and a really quite doomy sound. And then there's some sort of psychedelia psychedelic aspects mixed in. So big Kim Thale fan. It was great to hear him back on this. This is really good. A, a classic Thale riff, and it does sound different to their other stuff. You can pick it up. Oh, this is a different guitarist, and it sounds really good. Um, and you can tell, you know, there's, there's little sort of swirly touches in the background, some some nice little f- flourishes and some attention attention to detail. I was really interested to hear how Momsen's vocals matched up with these guys, and I, I think it's a great match. I think it sounds uh, a brilliant combination. Her vocal performance is outstanding on this, and a great match for the music. Uh, after the so we get uh, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and we get the solo. Now, <laughs> I feel sorry for the normal band members who have to play this solo because I'm sure they play this song live, and I'm. Doubt that Kim Thale's going on tour with them, so they have to try and replicate this. He's he's gone full shred mode for this one. Um, it was a bit of a shock because we had those understated guitar solos on Impera. This one is way back to let me show you what I can do. And, um, yeah, look, it's a good solo. But um, <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be tough to replicate. Be interested to see that. And some nice drumming too, as you'd expect from Matt Cameron, always been such a, an understated drummer who just knows what to put in and what to leave out. So certainly the most well-known song. Maybe it's the best song on the album too. I'm, there's a couple of other contenders, for, but this is certainly in the running. I'll, I might decide as we go. But I uh, really enjoyed it. Good song and great to hear that Soundgarden sound mixed with Mobson's voice. Your thoughts? So you don't leave me much to say to this Sorry. song that you that you didn't say. Um, so if, if it's all right, I kind of want to talk about tracks two and three together. Yep. On, only because of, of sort of, well, here, I'll, I'll get into why. Uh, with with this solo, I was wondering, is that is that Kim Thale doing the shredding? Like, I feel like the solo, I was wondering if there were two guitar players in the solo. There was Thale, like maybe Thale was soloing at the beginning and then the shredding part is Ben Phillips. I, and, and they don't say in the commentary. In fact, they speak very little. They, they just talk about how, how much of an honor it was to have them play on it and that they send the tracks and then they got the tracks back. And, but they didn't, 
they didn't specify who did what. And that was the one thing I kept listening for. It was like, wait, who did the solo? Was it because mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the Soundgarden songs where Kim Thale just shreds. Yeah, it's not typical Thale. It's not me. his I've style. Thought, no. And so that's I was wondering that, but the the going into the solo definitely sounds like Thale. Anyway, so I, w- I was wondering about that. And the drums are great, but of course they are. It's Matt Cameron. I was expecting this to be my favorite song on the album. When I knew that Kim, Matt Cameron and, and Kim Thale were going to be on it, I was like, oh, there it is. That, that's going to be my favorite song on the album. And it wasn't. Um, I, I think the next one, and so it went with Tom Morello, I think that might be my favorite song on the album. And with that one, when the solo comes in, there's no, there's no denying whatsoever okay. that that's, that's Tom Morello. And I was sitting there as I was listening to this song and I was thinking, all right, we had Audio Slave. We've got Prophets of Rage. I want the next incarnation of the three, the three lads from Rage Against the Machine. I want Taylor Momsen singing. I want her, I want her leading that. And it was just as I was listening to the song, I was like, man, they sound great together. This would be amazing. Not, not that I'm trying to break up the Pretty Reckless, but... But that kind of that song left me wanting, and I think this is why this is my favorite song on the album. Is it was just like I want an album of that. That that was I don't know. That was what I wanted. At, at this point, I was. I'm not gonna lie. I'm. A, I was a little bit disappointed that we seemingly have. I feel strayed so far from um, the last album. Who who you selling for? And I really liked where they were going with who you selling for. And this seemed to be going back to going to hell. I felt kind of to yep. take on your point from earlier, but I would, I don't know. I'd a hundred percent get behind a whole album of, of track three. Hmm. Yeah. you that solo on this one stands out. Now I've never really been a big Tom Morello fan, but listening to this, I think maybe I, I, I should be like, I, I was never into rage against the machine for whatever reason. I, I just never, they never clicked with me. Audio slave always felt a bit, uh, I don't know, like too stripped back or something for me, like uh, too simple. If that, I don't know. I always preferred Soundgarden. If I if I want Cornell, I'll listen to Soundgarden. This the solo in this is amazing, and it makes me want to go back and, and start trying to seek out some more Morello. Maybe we can speak offline, and you can recommend some entry points for some some good Morello solo. This the, it sounds like it an alien playing guitar that soul it's it's a really sort of or a, a robot alien or something it's it's got a otherworldly electronic sound to it it almost doesn't sound like a guitar it's incredible so yeah i want to hear more of that anyway and it does have a chanting choir which we've heard on a previous i think we heard that on going to hell this one this choir is the main academy of modern music towards the end of that so we get a little chanty bit Quite quite a good song. This it, it's a it stands out as a bit different. It's not the usual formula. It, it's um, it, it's quite a different sound on this one. Just the it, it's all a bit dis not disjointed, but uh, a rhythmic at times. Which and then it swing, swings into a, a catchy rhythm part and, and works really well. It's quite quite good and, and a bit different. Yeah, I enjoyed it I, and I loved hearing Morello. So. Yeah. What would you recommend for a non-Morello head like me? What, what should I start with? 
I was just thinking as you were saying that, have you ever like you finished a book or a series or a movie and you're like, oh man, I wish I could go back and rediscover that again for the first time. And you're sort of envious yeah. of those people who have never read it or seen it. I'm feeling that yeah. right now with you and Rage Against the Machine. Like I wish okay. I could go back and rediscover Rage Against the Machine. I would just start with the first album. Just start with the first Rage Against the Machine album and 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 work your way. And okay. it's... Try. I, I don't know where you were at that point when you had listened to sort of when Rage Against the Machine wasn't doing it for you, but give it a go again. Try it with that. Just right. start with the first album and, and, and work your way up. In true unshuffled style, huh? In tr- <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know the big hits and I, I like them. I just never really dive deep. Hmm. Um, well, my turn now. We're going to continue here. Oh, just on the lyrics, do you, do you have any idea what And So It Went is about? Because I don't. Oh, no, actually, I don't either. No, all right. <laughs> anyway, it's a very open to interpretation, it seems. I'm not sure what it's about, and I never really – I mean, I read through it a few times. thought, I don't know what this thing about. But, uh, anyway, the next one is 25, which is a little more obvious what it's about. When I first heard this, I thought, uh-oh, Scott's not going to like this because it's got counting – and you've made your thoughts on counting very clear in the past. This is a big melodramatic ballad with the slow marching drums near the open. There's a YouTube comment I saw on the film clip that says it sounds like a James Bond theme. And I can really see that. So it's a James Bond theme. And if you watch the film clip, which is linked to in the show notes, it looks like a perfume commercial. So I don't know. The whole thing feels... Very melodramatic and, and a little overblown to me, this one. I don't know. I think there are limits to how far you can push these things. I think they might have stumbled against the limits a little bit. A powerful vocal performance, of course. I mean, we say that with every song here. I think she manages to sell it. So, you know, it's, it's a good song and there's enough in that vocals to make it a worthwhile listen. Even the, the Blaze of Glory style guitars near the end you know it takes i guess guts to pull try and pull something like that off and i think they go close like it's not a it's not one of my favorite songs it just feels a little overdone but you know still kind of fun your thoughts on 25 yeah i agree with you on the melodramatic and the thing is, is, is I, as i'm listening to it from from where i stand which is well past 25 um mm-hmm. <laughs> I but I but you do as you listen to it. I remember the melodrama around sort of just that that the twenty five, the twenty seven, the twenty eight, the thirty three, right? Like just sort of as these as these markers along the way of rock and roll royalty, and 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 it is it's it's that that sort of that struggling with mortality that I kind of I brought up earlier is is really kind of she's wearing it on her sleeve here, um, where she's sort of counting well, starting the count towards 27, right? She's two years away from it. And, and for the record, she's 28 now. So she did, she did make it, but there was that moment of, uh Oh, are you, wait, wait, hold up. Where, where, where are we going with this? Um, and, and it, it is, it's just sort of, it's all there. And I think melodramatic is, is kind of the best way to say it. Uh, I guess it sounds like Again, going back to kind of the commentary and what they were talking about. First off, they described this as a song that they all just really enjoy playing. But 
the part I don't understand, and I went and I listened to the commentary on this several times, but it's built around several different drum tracks. Like it sounds like they're from the way they described it, there are several different drum tracks that are all being layered. And I don't know that they're all, they were all intended as part of the same song. Mm -hmm. I don't know. When you find the commentary, you listen to it and you let me know. They sort of breeze over it and they kind of, I think this is the one where they get into a bit of an argument with, um, with the producer who, Jonathan Wyman, not an argument, but he was saying he did this one thing and they're like, no, he didn't do that thing. He did it from this thing. And, and they go back and forth and it's all kind of around the drum tracks right. and sort of how they were piecemealed. Okay. I guess sometimes as a music artist, you, you spend a lot of time on these things that, that the listener doesn't even notice. I, you know, that was, that's one of them. You, you think these things are important, but to me, I, I sort of didn't even pick up on that. Hmm. Um, so that leads us into My Bones, track five, mm -hmm. which was also in the running for one of my favorite tracks, but I think I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sticking with track three. Uh, but anyway, this one, uh, I really like this song. With the, I like the cool intro riff. Um, they've got kind of this cool palm muted sort of thing that he's doing during the verse where he sort of brings it down a little bit. And there seems to be this sort of reverb echo effect on the drums, sort of like this bigness to the sound of the drums on this album. And I like the way that her, her voice falls away at the end. This is a song where it, it could have gone out big. Like with the end of the song, she could have just gone out on like a big, you know, this big final number. And she just kind of, it, it goes out quiet. Her. Um, and, and I like sort of the, the, the way they did that. I also really like kind of that moment where the song, there's this breakdown of the song. It feels like when you're listening to the song and you're, if you're not sort of paying attention halfway through the song, sort of just assumed I was on track six already. And then I would go back and it's like, oh, wait, no, no, no. This is still the same song. There's, it's kind of just sort of layered and there's all these levels to it. Mm. Yeah, that was fairly, I mean, we've had that before on some of the previous albums some really abrupt shifts in some of their songs. And this is another example of that with that faster bit later on. Um, but yeah, I like this one too. There's not much more for me to say that I like the production on this. That there's hmm. little sound effects, echoes and other touches throughout that uh, add interest. And I think they're getting better on this album at finishing a song. So that's a good observation that, that, that they finish this well. I think the songs, Sometimes on their previous albums, you'd get to the end of a song and think, oh, that, that's a strange place to finish or it felt incomplete. I didn't have that so much on this album. The next one's called Got So High. Now, here we get a real shift in the album. Now, I wasn't sure. When the first time you listen to it, you think, oh, is this a one-off or is the whole album going in a different direction at this point? And we'll find out as we go through it. But this one's got... Acoustic guitars, it sounds like a tambourine or some shaky thing there. It's a slower tempo. There's some ahs in the in the chorus. I was struggling for to name an influence, but I I guess it's kind of oasis-y, perhaps a little bit. This is the sort of thing they were moving towards on the previous album. Moving away from the hard rock to these more uh, gentle kind of songs. Uh, I found this really listenable and I, I think I prefer them playing this style than than the songs we heard on the first half of this album. So yeah, it was this made me think, oh good, we've got a we've got something like like the previous album and uh yeah, it just became a really listenable 
little pleasant song that I quite liked. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I it, you know who it reminded me of was the Linda Perry song. Mm. She, the, what is she, Four Non Blondes, and uh, okay. she, she writes for Pink, I think, or she right. and Pink write together. Um, yeah, okay. I, it felt like a Linda Perry song to me. Um, okay. Yeah, no, it's 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 got a catchy chorus. Uh, it's in fact the song. I, I I don't know. They didn't I didn't they didn't say the commentary, but the song seems to sort of been built around kind of that chorus, right? Like maybe that was the chorus was sort of the nucleus of the song, and it was kind of just built out from there. All right, so the the next two, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna take these two yeah. on at the same time. Broomsticks, which is what 39 seconds long, and it's just like this little Danny Elfman. Right, kind of Tim Burton esque song. This one, I kind of, I got these next two parts that came from the commentary where they talked about again to your point, just how complex this song was because of the number of key changes and trying to and trying to record it. Uh, they also mentioned that this song originally was part of Witch's Burn, so this was originally the first thirty nine seconds of Witch's Burn. And then they just kind of, as listening to it, felt it was just, it was too different and it needed to be sort of broken up and made into its own song. And so they separated it and made it a track seven, mm-hmm. which then does leave us, lead us into Which is Burn, which um, I think they described as a feminist manifesto. And it's it seems to be that she's, I mean, it seems to be, she is. She's using the Salem witch trials as a metaphor and, and for just, I assume, the treatment of women, the treatment of her, uh, whether it was through a relationship or, but just sort of drawing that comparison. Again, they, the production is doing a lot with the drums on this song. They get louder right before that, that breakdown, right before the solo. And then again, the way that it kind of comes in after the solo, there's this song again is just one of those that it's, it has multiple parts. Yeah, just... To add a couple of things. So you spoke about this type of song on the previous album. You, I think you, you know, this sort of mid-tempo pop rock maybe. Um, you know, you, you called them one of the better exponents in modern music of this, this broad um, style of song. And I, I agree with you. So, yeah, I think they're at their best when they're in this tempo and they're not trying to be too heavy mm-hmm. um, so this is a really good example of that There's, um, and this is a continuation of so th- I'm talking about which is Bernie and not broomsticks of course so this is um, a continuation of that shift in the album that we saw first with got so high and we can see that the shift continues here the only thing the only thing I picked up was a nice shimmery guitar effect I think it's a guitar effect and not a Hammond organ, but it has that kind of Hammondy shimmer to it. Mm. It adds a, a bit of, you know, we're talking about witches here and the supernatural and it has that, it adds to that vibe. Whenever we have these conversations, I'm always fascinated by what starts the B side, the side two. And what do you think? Is it got so high or broomsticks? Cause I, I take your point that we're sort of, there is, there has been a transition. Yeah, I, I suspect it's got so high, but that would, it's not at the exact halfway mark. No, that doesn't. Yeah, you're right. That doesn't balance it. 
Mm. Although Got So High is a good a good way to end side one. Mm. Yeah. And then start side two with broomsticks. Yeah. Sorry. Um, you don't have the vinyl for this one, do you? No, I don't. All right. Uh, so from there, we go into the second big ballad on the album, the other dramatic ballad on the album after 25. This one is lovely. I, it's, I felt much less of the melodrama in this one. It just felt more composed, more less of a, of a reach. I love the combination of acoustic guitar and strings. We've heard some strings on their previous albums. I don't think the strings players are mentioned on in the credits, but it's a look. It's a lovely sound, and I lo- I do whenever they pl- record acoustic guitar, I, I think it sounds great. They've, there's been plenty of songs on previous albums, and again, it's just so uh, natural sounding. You hear the fingers moving along the strings, the little squeaks. And it extends to her the way her vocals are recorded on this song. You can hear her breathing as she's about to start a line. It just sounds very naturally recorded, and I, I really like that. It's a bit of a contrast to some of the other songs on this album. And then towards the end, you get this really soaring section, which... But it fits just fine. Like, it doesn't feel like they're stretching. It feels like, yep, that, that feels like it belongs there. It's, it's a very, in a way, that part is really uplifting. It's a beautiful song. I really like this ballad. It's my favourite ballad on the album and, and maybe my favourite ballad of theirs so far. I really like this one. Yeah, no, agreed. I, I think that the seems to be, you can kind of pick up grief and sort of working through that grief in the lyrics. Which leads us to track 10, Turning Gold. I I don't have much to say about this song, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a, there's a sitar, a tabla, kind of an Indian style intro. It starts and ends on this sitar. I don't even, I, they, they did talk about it, the sitar. And I can't, what I can't remember what they said about the sitar though. I think they, I don't know, they, they, they did mention the sitar. I should have wrote that down. I was going to bring it up. This the song has a nice tempo build and a release. It it just kind of it, it it's a song of what they do and they do it well. That's kind of all I have to add about this one. Oh, I was much more positive. I really like this. Uh, the sitar, it's fine. It's a, it, it's it's goes okay there. I, I, but I like the bass line that sort of the, there's a sort of pulsing bass line that comes in after the sitar in the opening. There's some organ throughout. It's got a. I really like the rising action. You know, as more and more instruments start to join in, and um, you know that. So that. So when we get to that big chorus, and all of a sudden the whole band's joining in, it's it's really effective. I think so. And then the second verse is different to the first one because it, there's more instruments playing. It rocks a bit harder the second verse. So yeah, I like the way the song builds and. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the song. Maybe it was, was it my favourite? I mean, it's one of my favourite songs on the album. It's probably not quite, I still like the Kim Thale one better, but I, I really liked it. So, yeah, I'm surprised you weren't, it, it didn't grab you. But uh, anyway, maybe it, I mean, it does follow the formula. So maybe it's a little predictable, but I, I really enjoyed it. All right, uh, the next one is Rock and Roll Heaven. Now, we've got... We've got a country and western sort of song here. Um, 
As she's done on previous albums, uh, she's name-checking some of her musical influences on this, which she talks about the Beatles. This is one of those classic tales of a young person discovering music and um, and the great role it has to play in their life. She, and we again, we talk about some of those artists that died at the age of 27. We had Janice and Jimmy and etc. Now, I'm not a country and western fan. I, I do. I've got nothing against it, but I just haven't. It's not a genre I've spent a lot of time with. So, but I do feel like I've heard this song many times in different forms before. But I can't tell you who or when. Like I, I don't know who. But it sounds like you know it's a familiar song structure. But yeah, ultimately, this the mess lyrically the message here is one of survival. So I think we hear you know as, as concerned as she is and, and uh, about that age of 27 and, and mortality, they ultimately will hear that uh, survival coming through, which is good. I'm, it's, a, it's a hopeful message in the end. It, look, it's okay. I felt, I felt like I've heard this before, though. So I don't know. Your thoughts? Yeah, I like that. I like the sound of the, the guitar on the slide, and it kind of reminded me. I, I don't know if I was thinking country western or more of a – southern you know what it's kind of more of the southern rocks it's sort of a subtle version of what was being done on the last album hmm. kind of a a little bit of like maybe even i don't know like flying burrito brothers uh sort of even that like 60s kind of california there was like this california slash southern sound that happened there for a while in the 60s and 70s with the birds and it, it sort of reminds me of that and then some of the more southern rock elements not like leonard skinnerd but kind of some of the more subtle elements of that, that I think that they were, I felt was starting to come through on that, the last album. And I was hoping to hear more of, and I, I kind of hear that in sort of that acoustic guitar slide bit that they're doing on this one. They did talk about, uh, also they had mentioned in the commentary that this was originally, I guess, supposed to bookend the album. The idea was, is that you started with death by rock and roll and then ended with rock and roll heaven. And, mm. and that was that was where it was going to kind of wrap up and end. But then after all had been said and done, I guess, um, she came up with, uh, Taylor Momsen, sorry, came up with uh, the melody or the riff or some some aspect of, of Harley Darling, the track 12. And, and, the, and I think this one was really like really directly sort of influenced by Kanwell himself. And 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 this this the creation of the song, from the way she talked about it, was really important to her. Um, and and yeah, Ben Phillips heard it, and they were just like, "Oh wait, hold up, we're not done. This thing needs to be worked." And it sounds like, well, here, go ahead, I'll stop because I'm I, I'm realizing now I'm about ready to go into my overall thoughts. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna let you jump in. Yeah. So uh, Holly Darling, as we. Australians pronounce it Harley Darling. <laughs> um, no R's in there, of course. We ignore those. Country again? Is it country? I don't know. Have I got my genres wrong? It feels like I feel like just name a female country and western singer, and you could pop her in front of the microphone on this one, and then they'd know exactly what to do. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that many. Dolly Parton, put her there. She'd know what to do with this song. <laughs> um, it's. And yeah, you're right. it's not too subtle, the reference to uh, the death of her friend and collaborator, uh, Mr. Ken Wallace. So right down to the, um, the throttle on, the, on a Harley Davidson. But um, 
I really like this. I, I thought this was really listenable. I, I like this genre and, and it just shows how versatile she is that she can pull off something like this after earlier jamming with the likes of Kim Thale and, and Tom Morello and doing so well with those ones as well. So I, I like this song. It's simple and and, uh, and pleasant, but nice all the same. I, I found myself smiling as I listened to this. I enjoyed it. All right. So overall thoughts. Um, I felt like this album was definitely, I mean, part of a healing process uh, from kind of what I gathered. Most of the songs seemed to be old songs that had sort of been previously worked and demoed, but hadn't been finished. So it doesn't, I don't kind of get beyond Harley Darling. I didn't really get the sense that this is an album of new material, really, per se. It's kind of just stuff that had sort of been brought out, dusted off, fixed, and 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 put out there. Um, so I, I, I certainly wouldn't criticize or fault their grieving process, but I was definitely hoping for more of who he's selling for. I was, I was, I think I was, I saw like, there was a direction they were going on that album and I was hoping that this was going to be a continuation of that. And I don't, as I said, I guess I talked about this at the beginning. I don't feel like it was, I feel like it was more this, if we would have been flipped these around, this would have been a more logical follow-up to going to hell, for instance. Yeah, I can see that. And in fact, who you're selling for would have been a nice follow on to the second half of this album. I mean, I felt this was almost like two separate albums, side one and side two are very different. Um, it's side one that's got all the publicity and, and if you just read about it and what, watched a couple of clips on YouTube, you wouldn't really know about the shift and the, the very different nature of the songs on, in the second half of the album. I did enjoy those guest appearances um, and, and they're the songs that have got all the attention, but I, I think I'm more of a side two guy. I really, certainly with this band at least, I mean, I think I, I really like that style and I'm like you I wanted to hear more of that but you know we got we got some of it at times I wish they'd just sort of pick a style and stick to it but then on the on reflection that's okay I kind of adds interest as well to get different styles of songs and it's a credit to the band and to the vocalist in particular that they can pull off what whatever genre they seem to turn their head to I think um, they're good at both and it doesn't matter so they're just playing what they want to play and and, um, and and that's fine. Sometimes I have, I, at this point, I had a reservation. This one is, and my only reservation, but this one is the lyrics. I think they're the weak spot with this band. I, I think Momsen writes her own lyrics and I just feel like reading back, even just looking at the song titles that we've had for this band over their albums, there's a sort of, I, I don't know how many variations of, going down, going to hell, that sort of stuff. There's a sort of generic feel to the song titles and the lyrics, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to criticise someone's lyrics because they're a very personal thing, but, you know, I, I just feel like she, perhaps that might be, if, if I was going to suggest something that she could get a bit of extra input from outside on, it would be the lyrics because I don't always feel they do her voice. Uh, justice but i enjoyed the album and um yeah it's just nice to hear i mean there was i think this was the biggest gap between they've had between their albums and it was nice to hear them back they're on tour now i think they're coming to europe uh, sometime 
soon if they're not here already. So um, I think that'd be a great band to see live. And it's just nice to hear that she's made it past 27. And mm. they're touring and, and putting out songs because uh, you know this is a voice that the world is lucky to have and, and it's nice to be able to spend a couple of weeks with it. It's probably one of the more mainstream bands we've, we've covered. And I think I've, I've enjoyed doing that. It's been nice to spend time with something that is uh, quite easy to listen to, something that's fairly family friendly and, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, doesn't put you through the ringer every time you listen to it. It's just been, been nice. But now we've got to think about our next band. Now we had spoken about the possibility. Wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Don't forget the band Brown though. Oh, <laughs> we, we got to pick Brown. winners and losers. Yeah, of course. All right. I, how could I forget the, the most important part of the podcast? Uh, let's quickly run through that and then we'll, we'll get into our next band. Yeah. Who you got? I got, I mean, it's okay. Here we go. So I, I've got, um, I mean, Taylor Momsen in the three spot, Ben Phillips in the two spot. I think that that's been the same throughout, but this time I'm given, I think the last couple of times I've given my number one to, um, Oh no. Well, Mark Damon, the bass player. I'm giving this one to the drums. Jamie Perkins. He's got some big drums. He brings them. They're there. Yeah. They're out front. So I'm giving my one spot to Jamie Perkins or my one point. Yeah, they, they sound good too. I love the drum sound on this. Momsen 3 for me, of course, the star of the band and the sort of, you know, when you hear this, it's, it's always the thing that grabs you is her vocals. Really good. Really strong. Uh, two votes. Two. Hmm. Uh, ben Phillips does guitar, vocals, bass, keyboards, and piano. <laughs> I guess he's got to get the two. I think he's the creative driver. He's the one that helps Momsen get some of these songs into their fully fleshed out form. So he gets the two. And then, yeah, it's always a toss up between the other two. Uh, I'm going Perkins as well. I like the sound of the drums on this. Um, and yeah, I didn't think the production lost anything. I didn't think the production lost anything from from the switch to Jonathan Wyman either. I thought he did an excellent production job on this. Uh, so well done, well done, pretty reckless. So we've got. Are you are you curious to who the the winner is for all of our? It's I, I can probably guess. Yeah, it's Taylor Momsen. <laughs> Okay. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> they never come to 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 accept their their award. No. All right, let's go to the next band. Yep. Uh, so we had mentioned quite a while ago now, but we had mentioned Cavalera Conspiracy as a possibility. How do you feel about that? We, we I feel wonderful about that. Yeah, me too. Let's do it. Um all right, so and our listeners will know now what they need to go off and, and find. I normally I like to order ahead with these. I haven't ordered this yet, so let's have a quick look at their uh, Wikipedia page. American heavy metal supergroup. So here by... I'm gonna I'm gonna I want to establish a rule. I think that if we're gonna go through the Cavalera conspiracy. I think we need to try to minimize any mention of Sepultura as much as possible. Okay. Like, right. I think maybe we get one each per album. Okay. We get I'm one okay Sepultura mention each. All right, all right. Yeah. 
Um, happy to happy to follow that rule. I'm just trying to find out what album I need. We need to chase up, and our listeners need to chase. Oh, up. Oh, I think Sorry. it's uh, in. Hold up, I just had it. Uh, Inflicted from 2007. Okay, so there you go. We won't talk about uh, who's on the album, but yeah, that's the 2007, May 2007 debut album from Cavalera Conspiracy. Well, it was released in 2008, actually, so... There you go, listeners. You know what we'll be listening to in uh, the next few weeks and you know what you can go and chase up yourself if you want to join us on that journey. Always nice to finish up with a band, wrap things up, and then you get the thrill of a new band that we haven't listened to before. And how the hell have we not? I don't know. But that's what this show's all about. Just, you know, going back and saying, hang on, we missed that. Let's, uh, let's catch up on it and listen to it for the first time. So come with us, listeners. Uh, That's what Unshuffled is about. It's about a journey of discovery and uh, giving giving each album the the time and attention they deserve. Bringing back the album. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed doing that with us for The Pretty Reckless and I hope you stick with us as we get back to Cavalera Conspiracy. Any final thoughts on uh, the end of Pretty Reckless as we move into our new band, Scott? No, I I think you're right. I, when you'd said earlier that I think it's probably going to be a while before we hear another album from them, but I I will eagerly look for it when it when it drops. And you'll eagerly look forward to finishing up here and going and put a bit of Cavalier, Cavalier conspiracy on, no doubt. Oh, I got it ready. Got it at the ready. I was I was in fact I was going to start playing it, and then I realized, oh yeah, we can't because we're we're broadcasting this. So <laughs> I won't slow down. <laughs> All right, I better let you go by the sound of it. You've got some listening to do, so let's wrap things up here. As always, this has been Unshuffled, and we appreciate the time you've spent with us. Thank you, listeners, for coming with us with this one. Our show notes will be available sometime after this is released at on our website, uh, unshuffledpod.com. And uh, you'll find links to the film clips we mentioned and a few other things there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at UnshuffledPod or email us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is unshuffledpod at gmail.com. And as always, we're going to finish up with a thank you and a special mention to Smallstone, the great label out of the US, where you will find great bands in the sort of fuzzy, fuzz rock, stoner rock genre, including Seven Planets, who is the band you hear in our intro and outro. That album is called Explorer, and the track you hear is Vanguard, and it's great. So go and chase that up uh, if you like the sound of it, which, of course, you do. Um, Anyway, that wraps it up for this show. That wraps it up for the pretty reckless, at least, for now. And uh, let's go and listen to some Cavalera Conspiracy. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, listener. And, uh, yeah, we'll do this. Cavalera Conspiracy, coming soon. (laughs) 